Check out We Are Calvin football podcast in association with McAvoy's Super Value, Virginia. Real food, real people. Try Super Value's own range in store today. Quality products at one third the price of branded labels. McAvoy Super Value, Virginia. Supporting local. We Are Calvin podcast. Because Calvin's not just a place, it's a people. A very happy new year to all our listeners. Welcome to the McAvoy Super Value GA podcast brought to you by We Are Cavan. Um, hope your Christmas was good. You had a nice relaxing, quiet time and uh, ready for 2021. All goals set. Paul, I, I'd say, Paul Fitzpatrick, sports editor of the Anglo Celt, joins me as always. And I'd say your list of New Year's resolutions is quite small. You have very little left to achieve in life. So what, what, what is it? A new tie? Yeah, well, was it Alexander the Great, Damien, who said, they said he cried salty tears when, when he discovered there were no worlds left to conquer? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know, what, what, what more can I do? Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> we'll, we'll get on to the latest fad that you've decided to take up for 2021. Um, you've bought a couple of kayaks, so that should be some crack. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a, major, uh, a major highlight of my life at the moment. I'm waiting for these kayaks to arrive. So. My house is, is right beside the lake in Virginia, and uh, uh, I I don't know why, but Just I never set the scene for for people. You know the Godfather, the film, the Godfather, where uh, in in Godfather Two or is it Three, where literally Don Corleone is is living at the edge of the lake. That that's Paul's house, <laughs> pretty much like that. Yeah, I've got the same Jones as Marilyn Brando as well, unfortunately. <laughs> but. Uh, the, yeah, so I decided I was going to get a kayak, and I said, when you're getting one kayak, you, you kind of have to get two, because it might be a bit boring going out on your own. So I bought two kayaks off a crowd in Waterford, so I'm waiting for them to be delivered. And now this could be, uh, there's a very good chance this will just be uh, used about job. three times. Yeah, yeah, an excellent chance. But, uh, I'm not, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it now. I can't and wait, you... actually. I'm super excited. I'm like a child, actually, with these kayaks. Well, the funny thing is you were telling when you were telling me about them and you were saying, we'll have to do a podcast out on the lake at some stage, I was going like, I cannot wait for this. This will be good out crack. But I was thinking about setting them off. You've got the river at the side of your house. Are you, are you going to set them into the river, jump in and, and down you go, let the river take you onto the lake? Yeah, well, the river, the river only, uh, like if you go downstream from the river here, which runs past my lawn, uh, you'd be down you be down there. It's only like two hundred meters or less down to the to the lake. Probably maybe one hundred and fifty. So uh, you could do that, but I just don't know if it would be deep enough. I've never seen anyone kayaking on that river, and uh, so I don't, I don't know if I can do that. But I might try it. But you see, the thing with Loch Grammer is, as everyone knows, it's a huge lake, but it's actually a shallow lake. Like it, it's it's fairly shallow as these things go. It wouldn't be near as deep as some of the other great lakes in Cavan, and there's. There's an awful lot of cranogs on the lake. Like if you're driving on the entry and you can see all those wee islands on Loch Ramor, most of those are cranogs and they're basically man man made and constructed uh, back in the day by oh. just dra- dragging out stones and bits of trees and everything else to to build it up because it's quite shallow. You wouldn't have to build it up that high. Like in the, in the summer, they maybe only had to build it up, I don't know, ten feet or something. So. Uh, that it's very interesting. So most of those lakes are Cranog, or those islands are Cranog. So I don't know, can you uh, actually go out and walk on them? Any of the Virginia lads tuning in would probably know the answer to that. So that's something we're going to have to investigate, Damien. Definitely, definitely. I, I'm, I, I'm picturing it now. We get in into McAvoy's, grab a couple of cappuccinos, onto the kayaks, and out we go, sipping coffee while kayaking around Loch Ramor and, and chatting podcasts, stuff, football, most likely. But yeah, I think it's just going to be picturesque. We've got out crack. Tell me this. So you've done a piece in the anglo Celt this week um, about the, the College Craft Bakery Junior Final, which wasn't played in 2020 between Den and Templeport. You, you've, you've kind of an updated situation. Tell us, tell us the, the summary of the story. Okay, well, there was, there was a lot of talk there in the last couple of weeks and talking to a Den club man, he had heard this rumour as well that 
both tubs were going to be moved up to intermediate and that the junior final was not going to be played. Uh, now, I thought myself that might possibly happen because it was, it was such a, a strong, persistent rumour. But anyway, yesterday I spoke to the chairman of, of then, John Brady, the ter- chairman of Templeport, Martin Dolan. They were good enough to take my call and inform me of what they knew about it. And I also spoke to Susan Brady, the PRO of Cavan County Board, and Mark O'Rourke, the vice chairman. So just trying to get a handle on what's going on. So... Basically, I, I tell you what I do, Damien. I, I just read you out the quotes that that came from them because it kind of explains the story. So, as we know, the final was called off. It was meant to be played on the fourth of October, and it was called off the day before because there was a COVID outbreak among some of the Temple Port fellas, uh, which was unfortunate because the senior and junior got pl- or the senior and intermediate got played, but straight after that that game was called off, then uh, the GA put a halt on all activity because COVID cases were rising. So. It, it just got caught. It was unlucky. It very easily could have been finished. And here we are now, um, a few months on, and it hasn't been played. So, And there had been a hope that it might be played in March. Uh, so, obviously, the CCC uh, communicated with the clubs in November and said, look, it's definitely not going to be played before the end of 2020. Again, they've gone back to just the, the activity was on hold from, from as per the, the command from on high. So that was the last communication I think the clubs have officially received. Now, I should I should uh, underline the point that there's nobody giving out or anything like that about this. They totally understand the situation that the county board are in and they're not hammering down their door looking for a fixture because they know it would be futile. Uh, nobody knows what the situation is going to be or how long, basically how long this ban and activity is going to go on for. But talking to John Brady, the then chairman, he said, it doesn't look good now at the minute. We haven't heard much, but there's no point making contact with the county board at the minute anyway. There was some talk about that, which was both clubs being promoted earlier on, but that was kind of knocked on the head at the time because the players and management were anxious to play it. They didn't want to take the option of going up. We are still in the dark. The virus is dictating the circumstances, and that's basically it. So, there's a very clear message there that the then players and management definitely wanted to play the game. See, the, it was this wasn't formally proposed but I think there was informal discussions between the clubs and the county board like the county board gave them the option look if both clubs are in agreement you can do this um, so then I went to Martin Dolan the Temple Port chairman he says uh, the last I heard was I'd say in November I spoke to Jerry Sheridan who's the chairman of the CCC he confirmed it wasn't going to be played in 2020 in fairness it was very hard for them to predict what was going to happen no one really knows we are in limbo at the minute that was before we knew the outcome of COVID in the new year and also before we knew that the intercounty season was going to run before the club season. And that's another thing as well. We didn't know back then that's right. what way the calendar was going to go. Yeah. I had thought it might have been played around February, March time, but I can't see that happening now because the club season won't be starting then now. I don't honestly know. One of the suggestions was about promoting the two clubs to intermediate, but I told the county board that that wasn't our club's wishes anyway. We'd rather try to go up on merit and from what I understand, then are on a similar wavelength. So then, the quote from Susan Brady, the PRO, very straightforward. The county board will endeavour to play it as soon as is possible. It has to be played, Susan said. But the way things are going, we just don't know when that will be. Our hands are tied and COVID is going to dictate an awful lot of what happens within the GEA. We're in level five at the moment and even the senior in the county activity may yet be pushed back. They were due to return later in the month. So what we can say is that we are very keen to get the final played and we'll do so, but we can't say when at the moment, unfortunately. Yeah, which which is completely logical. I I have to say, I commend the the clubs for not taking the the promotion option. I I I don't know is there a value in taking a promotion without actually winning the competition. You know, it. I think it's it's something that would it would definitely water down the achievement. Um, so I agree. I, think, I agree. I think it's so important that when a team gets promotion, uh, that they that they win a cup. Because it gives you that bit of belief and confidence, and and that helps you um, compete better at at the higher level. Like maybe the, maybe the likes of of then in particular, and possibly Templeport as well, seeing as they won this competition before, they might be looking at it as a stepping stone and hoping to go on. You know, it's not they want to win a junior championship, but it, you know they're probably looking at it. We have young teams, and we just want to get out of junior and get up and hopefully win an intermediate. Uh, yeah. not too, not too long after, but at the same time. It'd be very hard to to go up and win an intermediate without having that bit of belief and and confidence that comes from winning a junior. Well, you also have the situation that I I remember when I was managing Killing Care that some of the older players spoke about in the nineties, where Killing Care went from being a junior team 
junior club to a senior club without winning a championship. And it was because their league form was so good. They they went from Division 3 to Division 1. And at that stage, there was a link between it. But they they felt that they were almost punished by being a good league team and never got their chance to win the championship. Like, had they played Division 1 league in, in one of those years while being intermediate, it would have given them a good chance to win that intermediate. But the fact that they, they went from junior to senior without ever winning a championship, it just it took it took those I suppose those days away where you you your next generation look at the senior team saying oh god I want to experience that I want to experience the the uh, the pats on the back that that those guys are getting so I don't think it's a benefit to win or to get a promotion without winning a championship so I think fair play to both clubs for standing by their their morals there yeah I think so too like those those big days, like the one-off days where you, where you actually win a final and get a cup and you have a homecoming and the bonfires and all that, they're what sustains the club and a county, actually. Mm. Uh, they really are. As you may, I never thought of that, but it, it inspires the, the youngsters, but it also inspires the players themselves that are on it. Like like when I interviewed Conor Madden on the... We heard that on the Die Hards podcast, and we'll play a clip of that uh, now, I suppose, in a wee while, but uh, he talked about the winning feeling, and he says it just makes you want it more. He says, when, yeah. when you've experienced winning, he says, it just really makes you makes you want to, to go and win again. So, yeah, that's that's a, that's an interesting one. And it turned out then that Killing Care, I think, were the longest waiting club to win a championship, weren't they? That's or very right. Very close yeah. to it. And yeah, like, for, a club, so. for a club like Killing Care, that should never have happened because they're, mm. they're a very good club and a well-run club with good numbers and everything else. Uh, yeah. So it just goes to show that was a bit of an anomaly. So yeah, I I I agree with you. Yeah, I think then the Temple Port are doing the right thing and get it played. It's going to be unfortunate when it comes around. They won't have played much football coming into it, so there might be a bit of a lottery aspect to it. But maybe they'll have played challenge games and it'll be more like a first round championship game. But they will have had time to prepare for it. So I think the best team is going to win anyway. Yeah, yeah. I I suppose and we haven't really brought this up um, in context of the junior final, but the the change of management in Templeport was was quite of a, a strange situation. Um, I don't know. Have Have you heard? Has there been a new manager appointed? I haven't heard. No, I should have asked uh, Martin Dolan, the chairman, when I was talking to him. Actually, I hadn't thought of that. So it was a funny one. Yeah, I've no idea the circumstances of what went on there. But from the outside in, obviously the management. Had done it very well with Templeport getting them to the final, but whatever happened there, they've hired a company. So uh, it's a strange one, but I suppose it's strange, strange times. And I also heard that they're like it's you know you talk about COVID casting a shadow over over the game at the moment. Like the final wasn't played back in October, October, early October because of COVID cases, and I think then have several um, of their current squad uh, have tested positive for COVID at the minute anyway. So. Uh, that wouldn't have things even if there was a window to play the game. So that's just the way it's going to have to be, I think. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is, and I'm sure it's it's uh, it's very difficult to uh, t- to try to keep motivated for a final when you've no idea when when the outcome is when the final will be played when when you have the opportunity to decide the outcome. But it's um, it's something that those players are going to have to take on personal responsibility at this stage and, and, and keep themselves in good shape because they can't do any collective training. There's nothing really they can do other than look after themselves because it's because uh, of the lockdown we're in at the minute. So diff- yeah. difficult times. If you think back to, to the lead up to that game, like it was such an eagerly anticipated game. <clears throat> I know all county finals are, but that one in particular because both teams were playing really well. Both teams had played had had great wins in the semi final. Like then were brilliant against Shannon Gales. And like that was a good Shannon Gales team who came close the year before against Killing Care in the final and you know, it was a good side with lots of experience. Uh, and then uh, Temple Port knocked out one of the strongest teams in it in in, in their semi final, not Bride. So, like both teams were coming into it full of full of confidence, full of positivity with young forwards like Thomas Edward Donahue and Owen McCaffrey and Dylan Raythorn there and um did Mossy Core at the back. How was he going to cope with the with uh, with the Temple Port forwards and how were they going to cope with him? And you had so many angles to it. it. It was really coming together to be a great final. So I hope we will we will get that final. We, it will be played and, and I'm sure um, it'll be a great occasion when it comes around but it's just one of those things It's very unfortunate. One of those uh, little side stories that, that may have been forgotten. I think I'm right in saying that if that final had gone ahead 
um, in October, Liam Galligan was out injured for Templeport. He's more than likely back um, whenever it is played. So there's going to be little subplots to it that that's, we'll we'll identify when we do get a date and see exactly who's available. But you know, Thomas Edward Donahue was kind of working his way back into fitness. He looks like he's he's flying fit now. So it's um it's going to be an interesting one to see how different the teams are when the finals actually played to when the semi-finals were played in, in early October. So um there's there's going to be a lot of change you'll find over the six months or eight months or whatever it takes to get the get the final played. Brady's Arva Limited. Main dealers for Volkswagen cars and commercial vehicles have been serving the needs of the motoring community in Cavan, Longford, Leitrim, Monaghan, Mead and the surrounding counties for over 50 years. A family-owned and family-run business, Brady's are famous for their long association with the GAA. If you're looking for a new or used car or commercial vehicle, check out Brady's Arva Limited. They provide an unrivaled sales and after-sales service and are open six days a week. Brady's Arva Limited. Get on the winning team today. See www.bradysarva.ie for more details. Yeah, completely. The only, the only thing is um, you definitely aren't going to have any players away. Uh, that's for certain, I don't think. You're not going to have anyone going away for the summer or anything else. So uh, any lad that's around is going to be based at home. And that's something else uh, we had on the agenda to talk about, Damien. The effect of uh, COVID on players, on GA clubs in terms of players being at home. And I was talking about this to someone to someone again yesterday. This is, The more people I talk to, the more I'm hearing that... Uh, Something that you predicted at the start of, of COVID, to be fair, was that this could have a, a beneficial effect in ways for rural Ireland and particularly rural GA clubs, which are suffering from depopulation. I don't know if, if what have you picked up on your travels, but I've heard of, of loads of lads who are now who had been based in Dublin and are now working remotely. And they've realised that and their employers have realised that they can work from home now and that they're looking to relocate back to their home area. And like the benefits of that is just, you know, it's it's. It's huge. Huge. It's huge. It's absolutely huge. Like, take it, take it. So, I've, it was something I was keen on following throughout it because, um, looking for the upside in, in, in a downturn, um, I was saying that, that the idea of the, the local property would, would increase the value of it. There's very little local, there's very little residential property on the market in, well, particularly in Cavan Town at the moment because, and anything that does go on is is going way above guide price, which shows that there's a there's people coming in and and a couple of the incidents I've been made aware of where people who had saved up money to buy in Dublin now realise that they they don't have to live in Dublin and could have a half a million available to go and buy a house because their wages haven't been hit. They're they're being told to work from home, but their wages are staying the same. Therefore, they have Dublin income, but the opportunity to live in Cavan, it's just it's phenomenal for them. But in that, talking to a few people who, who have benefited from this situation, they're just talking about the extra hours, extra hours every single day, as, as little as two hours extra available a day and as much in some cases as four hours extra available a day and how they fill those hours Generally, the people that I'm talking to are GEA people. They're filling it by, if they're at a particular age, going out, going for a run, uh, getting to the gym, kicking a ball. Or if they're at a, at a slightly older age, that they're considering getting involved with an underage team or coaching the, the, the local under-17s or whatever the case may be. Because now they've, they've up on as much as 20 hours a week extra to play with so they're talking about all the benefits of of having this extra time um you know that they're not coming up and down they're not worried about about life in dublin so it's um i, I think it's I, I genuinely believe it's something and kieran callahan had identified this way back when it, it's almost a year ago talking to him about the his idea of pathway and trying to keep calvin Cavan GEA people in Cavan that they don't have to go employment. Now, COVID has probably 
um, been a been a, a booster shot for the plan, but the plan was there already to to try and make this happen through links with local employers and large and small employers around the country, so or around the county, sorry, and trying to identify roles that need to be um, need to be filled in the next five, six, seven, eight years, so that players at a certain age can start to identify their college courses to try to stay in. The, the county um, rather than having to go to Dublin and, and, and other areas to get their, their jobs so it's it's something that if Cavan use it right this this COVID crisis this 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 uh, pandemic could turn out to be a brilliant thing for the counties that that have innovated enough and have thought about let's let's encourage people to stay around I think so and like we, we need to be care- careful I was having this debate with a friend of mine last night and he was. I kept saying about you know the lore of the lore of the GA club. Like the GA has such penetration uh, in rural Ireland, and he was like, "No, this is confirmation bias from you." He says, "You're, you're talking to GA people. You're into GA." He says, "There's a half a million members of of the GA in the country, which means there's four and a half million that aren't members." But I was saying, "Yeah, but we're talking about rural areas in Cavan. Uh, you can be sure if you took somewhere like Red Hills or Kilishandra or somewhere like that." Uh, it's not one in eight that I remember the GA club. Uh, it's more. It's more like probably four out of five uh, are members of the GA club. So there is that lore, that lore of home and the lore of the club, and people might dismiss that. But we we know because we're we're into football. We know that that's there because you've got fellas who are who who are so tied up and so uh, uh, feel such loyalty to their home clubs that they're traveling down the road two or three days a week. From Dublin for 10, 15 years to play, like it's it's really, it's really mad, it's really mad that that fellas have that affinity. But it's it's a beautiful thing that it's there, and I think that would bring people home, absolutely. And it's badly needed, but it's it's a funny thing because you can actually draw parallels between the effect of COVID and the way the county is start is starting this is going to starting to evolve. Like if you take COVID. And, you know, I'm not going to get into, into it because we have different views on it, but, uh, you know, I'm a bit sceptical about parts of it, the response to it in particular. But I thought it was going to have a devastating I think effect. the world knows that, Paul. I think the world knows that, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm not getting into it. <laughs> Can I just point out to people, usually when, when you say, I'm not getting into it, it's usually followed by you getting into it. But I just throw this warning out. Go. Well, you asked me what my New Year's resolution would be, and I said to myself, "I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop giving out about COVID." Uh, but I wasn't. I'm not able to. <laughs> but, yeah. anyway, uh, I failed on day six. I, I failed within about half an hour. But um, yeah, I think I think that I thought it was going to have an absolutely devastating effect on the economy, and I don't think that now. Uh, I think it's only going to it's only going to have a devastating debilitating effect on certain sectors of the economy and there's actually certain sectors that are, that are thriving like there's never been as much money on deposit in the country uh, people, a lot of people have saved money like you're talking about people would come with big deposits for houses um, an awful lot of people have saved a fortune uh, during this time and then there's other people who are who probably haven't two cents to rub together because they've been made unemployed but there's an element of that going on in Cavan as well in the last 20 years um if you okay, if you take any any place that's close to the Mead border, has exploded, like from Kingscourt across to Bailieburgh, uh, to Mulla, uh, Virginia, and even Ballyduff, it's not stuff. yeah, it's not a hundred miles from the Mead border there either, and possibly even over as far as Manuage, and I know it's rur- it's more rural, but those first places I mentioned, they've all exploded in population, um. That's the, that's what you could call a commuter belt, and there's a there's a channel down the centre of the county as far as Cavan Town, which I think has has really uh, exploded as well, which is which is incorporating places like Kill and Care, which you could kind of say is a suburb of Virginia, in a way, but it's sort of off the entry, Kill and Care, Lavi, right down into Killigary, which is which is booming. Like we we talked about that before, three big national schools in that area, and then you've got the satellite villages of of Cavan Town, um. Like Butler's Bridge, Ballyhays, uh, mm. Killigary, those places are 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 really exploding in population and a young population. You can see it in the schools and you can see it in the GA clubs and so on. The numbers that are there, uh, they're bursting at the seams. But within within the actual town itself, I think there's been an element of of decay. 
I don't know how much, what you think, but in, I feel like Cavan Tarn itself, like I'm talking about the actual, within the heart, the streets of the town. I know there is a development plan there to, to make a whole shopping area and everything else in the town, but I feel the town itself has decayed a lot. Um, and people are moving out of, of the town. Like, and that's something that's been mirrored nationally, that people are moving out of the old main towns and into these, we call them suburb villages. And I, the really interesting thing, though, is that outside of all those places I've mentioned, and I know it's a, it's a, it's a big swathe of the county, there's some places that have been left behind. Like Red Hills has been left behind to an extent. There's been, never been a housing development in, in Red Hills, ever. Imagine. Uh, no form of a housing development. And the place has been, not that there's anything wrong with it, but the, the place has been left behind. Kilachandra, I think, is a, you know, it's probably been left behind a little. And, and the west of the county as well has certainly been left behind. So it, it has created, it has created a sort of uh, division there in the county. I think the funny thing was was that division always there though. I, I suppose this is meant to be a GA podcast, but I, I like I I know I was speaking to somebody from West Cavan and they were just te- explaining to me during the week that from from a I, and again I I don't want to get this wrong in saying it, but I think from a farming point of view, when it comes to grants and stuff. You, you get it by the area you're in dictates the level of grants you can get or level of assistance. And basically all of West Cavan is basically just called a disadvantaged area. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's, it's something that for some reason it, it seems to be West of Cavan town becomes that's the line or very, very close to the line that people or that, that seems to be, okay, now you're into the West of Ireland. But up until that point, you're in the east of Ireland. It's almost like yeah. the centre is, is 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 literally down through Cavan Town. Well, like I always view Cavan as sort of a microcosm of the country in a way that that the West Cavan is almost like the Atlantic Seaboard. Like if you look at it, there's no there is no senior team in Cavan west of of the Aran, as far as I know. Um, in fact, you've only got Drumlane and, and Bentorbid in intermediate, and as you go further west than that, um, Kildallan. Templeport, they're in junior. Corla have, have haven't even got the numbers anymore to field. Swan and Bar are in junior. Shannon Gales are in junior. So just from that point of view, I know that's a strictly football point of view, and you could have a you could have a big tribe in town with a junior club, but th- there is that. Like West Cavan has always lagged behind in that sense. And my theory on that is that in in the east of the county, okay, you're closer to the industrial heartland of of the old pale or whatever, and you're closer to the to the capital. Um, but in the east of the county you've got better land and if you go back hundreds of years where, where 80% of the people in the country were living off the land if your land is slightly better slightly more productive um, over the course of the lifetime of a farmer or, or his family maybe he'll have an extra couple of cows because his land is a little bit better and it's producing better grass and everything else and he's got a, he, he, he ends up with more stock and the next generation ends up with a little more stock, and the next generation, and and the gap widens, and like that yeah, that has compound on. effect. Yeah, that, and that's going on. That's my theory on it. That's going on for so long, and suddenly, if 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 you have that bit of better land, and your family becomes a little bit more prosperous, um, maybe you've got, you you start to be better educated. You're coming from money, and maybe there's a spirit of entrepreneurship comes into that, um coming from that bit of education and, and confidence that you have. And we see that in, in up around East Cavan. Like, there's a huge industry there. Like, it's amazing the, the amount of industry uh, that you have in, in places like Kingscourt and, and even as Bailiwell and across like that, for which you don't have in, in other parts of the county. So And plus, also emigration was probably higher in the west of the county as well. But So may, maybe I use Red Hills and Kilishand or places like that as examples. Um, I definitely don't hope anyone doesn't think I'm not denigrating the place at all. I'm a Hillsman myself, but it's just something that, that came to mind. And maybe it's because they are sort of bordering the hinterland of, of West Cavan. And then you have you have Bailiwell, which I always think driving through Bailiwell, it, it, it is a town itself that has decayed a little. Uh, the actual town itself. If any Bailiwell people listening um, would maybe fill us in better, but I always get the impression that there's, there's some derelict buildings and stuff like that that. that you know, it just doesn't create a great impression in the town. And um, yeah, I, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on Cavan Town, Damien, because because you know better. But Torbett is one that the town has definitely decayed. Like there's there's some social problems there in Torbett that was never there before. And at one time, Torbett was a great town. And I'm not saying 
there's a great community in Beltorba, but it's a place that's in need of, of investment and a bit of development too. Yeah, yeah. Bringing it back to Caventown, the, the interesting point for me was I, I grew up in, in the very heart of Caventown, the first street of, of Cavan was, was Abbey Street. Um, and around my t- my area or you know in this very center of the town even growing up there there wasn't massive amount of families but all the families that that were in that area pretty much all of the the, the people that i grew up with have moved outside of the town so they're either not living in Cavan at all or those that are are living in Killigarry or buttersbridge or or in a housing estate outside of what used to be Cavan town so you know, I, I live out in Swelling, um, the other side of the hill, basically, where we'd never have gone as kids. It would have been almost in the countryside. So, yeah, I was going to ask I you that. We, like, where you live now was probably out in the sticks when you were growing up. Oh, completely, completely. Like, like when I when I was growing up, to go down to Swelling Lake was was you know, it was well, we're going outside of town. You 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 wouldn't do it. <laughs> I know we we're only walking, and, and to think about it, it was, it was crazy. But if you were going, you'd plan on going to Swelling Lake for the day. You wouldn't just go for an hour or two, you know. <laughs> it was that sort of a thing as as kids. It was just, and and it wasn't the distance. It was more the fact that what's well, sure, why are you going that far out of town? You know, it's it's not in the town. So that was that was a huge thing. So Cavan and like to go out to Drummalee, you nearly had to go into the countryside and then come into this little crossroads that was called Drummalee, and there was starting to be there was a shop there and a filling station and pretty much nothing else but you know it, it was just a crossroads there wasn't even a you wouldn't call it an area you know it was just a meeting point was the crossroads so um the Cavan town has completely changed but the big thing being Drummley and Cavan Gales the two traditional town clubs have suffered from that because the town is now populated by by short-term living you know there's far more apartment living in Cavan town than there was you know, used to have families growing up you don't have families really growing up in the center of Cavan town anymore and i think that that's been a huge effect on the um on the two clubs that they, they they've they've struggled and and in terms then you used to have traditionally the schools of St Phelan's and St Clare's would be big feeder like St Phelan's was such a big school back when I was growing up, that not everybody could play for Cavan Gales and Drummalee, you know, got a, got an awful lot. So you had more than enough kids in those schools in both St. Phillips and St. Clair's that you could you could fill out the two clubs with underage teams. Now you you don't. A lot of the the, the, the students in those schools aren't from a GEA family. So you know that 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 probably plays a huge part within it as well. What what Cavan Gale has done really well was at some point identified Farnham School and 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 latched on to that and look at there was a, a good generation of um of Cavan Gill's um families that started to go to school in, in Farnham and I think it, it it was just built on from that. Like the likes of your your Enda Kings and your Eamon Riley's and, and Dominic Riley's those lads they all went to Farnham school and I think from that it, they just held on to it and everybody went to Farnham then went to the Gales so it's, it became a Cavan Gales feeder school whereas Drummalee with Drumcrav and with the way that, that it's lined up Drumcrav has a has a problem in terms it can't really expand it's on a very small site and therefore the pupil numbers will never really get to a point that it'll be big enough to feed a club um, and be sustainable so it was it, it, it's it's something in 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 Drummalee and in Cavan Gale is that both clubs probably needed to do more work in terms of um incorporating the new population of Cavan Town into the GA community and i don't think either either side either club has has really embraced that enough to to say that well look at we're we're not just about old GA families we, we need to be bringing in the new GA population yeah but we should say that 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 is difficult that that is very difficult to do and i, I yeah. have seen it i have seen a lot of gales team sheets with with uh black kids and um you know children of, of african descent you can see that in, in some in a good few of the gales team sheets i don't know how that was working with drummer or now breed but it's difficult um because it's a total culture change for these people coming here and um you're asking them 
you're asking them to adopt a whole new culture because the GEA culture is so strong and it's it's you know it's totally alien to a lot of these people so it's tough I, I definitely feel sorry for, well not feel sorry for but I definitely empathise with the with the people in Drummondie and the guys that are trying to bring this in because I know St. Phelan's has a very high proportion of foreign nationals um, as in first and second generation and uh, a lot of members of the travelling community in St. Phelan's as well who don't have a big tradition of being involved in Gaelic games uh, around Cavantown either so that's difficult but it's, it, it, I find it an absolutely fascinating topic it's a whole it's a whole demographic thing. And look, like the GA will survive, but it's going to change. The, the GA in 20 years' time is going to be radically different to what we're looking at now. It, it, by, it's going to have to be because it's kind of stagnated for decades. And like back in, back in, back in the, let's say from, from 1933 until 1969, from, from Cavan, from 35 to 69, from Cavan won its second All-Ireland until it won its 38 Ulster title. I think we lost a third of the population of the county to emigration. So the GA has has kind of gone through these massive uh, demographic changes in the past and and come through them. So we come through them again, but it's going to be it's go, it's just really interesting. I find it fascinating to think of like Red Hills and Butters Bridge, for example, about three miles between them, and the bridge seems to be absolutely booming, and it's got a huge national school, and uh, the village itself seems to be houses everywhere you look. And then Red Hills hasn't really changed since I was growing up, and it's only it's only around the corner. I find, I just find that that fascinating that that uh, you know I don't want to I don't want to say left behind, but uh, maybe he just hasn't moved on like everywhere else. And uh, there's advantages to that too as well. There's you know well, um, if you're raising your children, like, I'd love to raise children in in Red Hills because uh, you know it's still a, it's still a really nice close knit uh, country village which hasn't changed a whole pile. Uh, since 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 I was growing up, I'd say, well, we were a few miles from the village, but playing football down there and all the rest of it. But it's it's I I just find it a fascinating topic. And I know we're on a GA podcast, but it's not entirely linked to GA. But, but I think people will find it interesting. But it does it, it does bring up the relevance to it, and 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 the GA has shown that population and bring it back to population is an advantage. Having having a highly populated area is an advantage within the GEA, and that's something that that I I don't know, I, and I agree with you a hundred percent. It's very very difficult to to almost um, to almost describe the advantages that that being part of a GEA community is to anybody who hasn't grown up in that environment, and that's something that that I think maybe bringing it back to this idea of the player pathway. Um, you know, in terms of identifying employment opportunities in the future for GEA players in, involved in Cavan, that I think that that is the type of thing that may bring in the the the, the foreign nationals, first and second generation foreign nationals, that they see, okay, well, it's not just about putting in ten hours a week or 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 more of of your spare time into playing a sport. There's actually advantages in your career by being a GEA player. You know, so that they, that they can see the advantages in that as well. So, and then on top of that, the, the biggest advantage of all is the sense of community, the sense of belonging to a particular area, and that that you have an influence and an opportunity to to look around, meet neighbours, be be part of something bigger, and try to develop something, whether it be you're putting floodlights on a pitch or it's an area for for people to go walking. Like, um, you know, speaking of Butler's Bridge, they've done a lovely. Uh, I was I was I was out there one evening. I had to meet somebody, and they have little lights around the pitch um, on a walking track. And so, any time of year, you can just you know go up to your local GA club. And and I know Ballyhays have something similar, and and a lot of clubs have it the same. That you can just go up through the gate and and go for a run or a walk around that community centre. And that's I think that's where. The, the GEA has a big, big advantage over anything else. That it is a community centre all the time. It's just some community centres are better, um, better equipped than others within the GEA. But it's something that that I think, if 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 we want to include so-called foreign nas- nationals, first second generation, we have to we have to start to. Um, show the advantages a wee bit more. We, we tend to we tend to try to keep them quiet rather than boast about them. Yeah, and I, th- I think the schools are, are absolutely crucial. Like, like even if you you might take families that have moved into the area from Dublin or somewhere like that, and maybe with no GA tradition, but 
the schools is the place where they're going to be mingling with their friends and whether where they're you know they're in their peer groups and that's where that's where if you can instill that fo- that football or the GA culture in the school, be it through a through a teacher who's that way minded or through sending in your own coaches or something like that, that's that is the key. I think the schools are absolutely crucial. And it's interesting what you're saying about John Crab. Yeah. Like a little thing like that, though the geographical actual site of a school meaning it um, restricting its its development can have a knock on effect on a GA club. Like it's absolutely fascinating these little butterfly effects uh, that are that are out there. Like uh, we, we don't think about that, and we look at it maybe and go, oh, "Jesus, why are why are Drummondy not bringing on?" Uh, you know, Drummondy are Drummondy need to get the finger out and bring on more kids. Well, it's just not that straightforward. You know, there's still all these but little things I, you don't notice. I'll give you the little the little contrast to that. Um, you you spoke about Declan Maguire, who's the principal out in Castle Tower National School. So a long time back, I think it was in the nineties, eighties or nineties. Castle Tara National School Committee, they used to be located at what was called Castle Tara Cross, I think. Um, uh, for anybody who knows, if you, as you're going out to Coothill Road, past the new Castle Tara National School, you come round the bend and it's the first turn on your right and you're up that road about a mile. But they were on a site where they couldn't develop. They couldn't get any bigger. And they identified the opportunity for getting bigger, but they knew they couldn't do it there on that site. So they relocated to on the Coothill Road. And they went from a school that had less than, I think it was less than 60 pupils, to now, I don't know what the numbers are, but look at the size of the school. I'd be surprised if it's not north of, of 150, 200 pupils. Or it could be, I don't know how, yeah, how big it is. Probably but more, yeah, probably more. It's it's a massive school now. So I, again, it's 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 that it was that decision by Castle Tara National School has also led into the bigger numbers going into Ballyhays GA Club. So you're you're right. The, the schools are so so crucial. And if Drummalee want uh, Drum want want to bring through more on the ridge because Drum is perfectly located as a Drummalee school something has to be done there about the numbers available to go into that school. Maybe a new site has to be identified and and, and try to bring bigger numbers into the school that we can then tap into to play in GA. But it's a it's it's a long term project. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just really interesting. Like there's there's so many ways of looking at it. It's not just a matter of uh, set up a juvenile committee and go out and train kids on a Saturday morning and you know, building and they will come. You have that, that used to be the case when myself and yourself were playing juvenile football, Damien, and playing it very well, I have to say. But, uh, yeah, yeah. definitely <laughs> thought we were fast. But, but, it's, but that's all changed. Come used to work because, yeah, well, be, but, but you had nothing else. You didn't you had have soccer else. to go to. You didn't really, you didn't really have rugby to go to. You didn't have basketball or athletics or 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 anything else. Kayaking didn't have it back then. <laughs> you know? So it's it, it it's it's got to be a wee bit more. Um, it's got to be marketed a wee bit better in order for for the GEA to to grab the attention of these of of the people that we want to bring in to play the games. But um, yeah, look at nine and ten year olds who who decide. What sport are going to play? They might decide what sport they like, but it's the parents are going to decide uh, what sport they're they're going to bring their kids to. So it's got to be as easy as possible for the parents uh, to. Yeah. yeah, you know, you know, you know, parents are busy. They're all mothers and fathers are, are working. Uh, things have moved on from what they used to be, and parents are not going to want a lot of hassle involved. You've got to make it as easy as you can for them, and. You've got to have facilities, and again, looking at you mentioned, we're using to keep using Drummondy as an example. Like their facilities are second to none at the minute, and that, that that's a brilliant move. And sometimes you look at it and go, "Well, why did such and such a club build that clubhouse when they don't have um, the fourteen team?" But maybe you need the clubhouse to attract the parents in that from from uh, that aren't traditionally associated with your club, and they come in and go, "Jesus, this is a nice place. This is what, you come in, you get a cup of tea. It's a warm place. It's a modern building." it's a safe environment we're happy to send our kids here and facilities are huge and that's something that handball is struggling with like if you take the likes of Kingscourt it's it's amazing facility and people probably think I big it up too much but if you're ever in Kingscourt and get a chance to go down to the handball complex it's on a par with anything in, in County Cavan it's amazing and they're actually developing it further at the moment but there's other places where you go in and you know the toilets are disgusting the, the gallery is manky the place is cold and dark you're trying to get kids into play it. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. They're yeah. going to send. You're going to send your kids to the local basketball club, which is in a nice, bright, clean hall where they can they can tug out 
in a nice, bright, clean, safe place, and there's place to park and all the rest, and the parents can can you know sit in comfort and watch them play in a match or training. They're not going to send them to some shithole, and uh, so that's the importance of facilities as well. It's huge, but it's yeah, it's. It's just, I know we're, we're almost putting together a strategic plan here, Damien, but I just think it's a, it's a really interesting way of looking at things. Yeah, well, definitely. It's, it's something It's something that we have to, uh, we, we definitely have to be aware of. And look, at again, it, it it's something that I'm sure clubs are very, very aware of themselves and, and are trying to, trying to figure out different ways. But uh, as always, no matter whether it be in sport or in business or in anything, the most innovative are the ones who will succeed. The ones who come up with the next idea that everybody goes, oh, geez, why didn't we think of that? Let's implement it now. And somebody else has already gone on to a new idea, an innovative idea, and something, something, somebody will come up with something that in, in 10 years' time, me and you will be going, I can't believe Red Hills are now winning senior championships. And it's all because Paul Fitzpatrick planted a seed. I tell you what, I tell you what. That sort of thing can happen in the GA. Maybe the GA is unique in that. But like you saw what Mullinocta did. Uh, and traditionally, yes. they hadn't won a senior championship since the early 50s. Traditionally, we were playing intermediate football in, in Longford. And they brought through that generation and like went all the way and became the best team in, in all of Leinster. But if you take Garna, like speaking of Mullinocta, just across the, the county boundary in, in Garna, like they're a place that, that manages to mine the maximum out of their resources. Like it's a small place. Someone made the mm. point to me once that if you look at Garna, there's an unbelievable uh, entrepreneurial spirit in Garna. I don't know what it is about Garna. Uh, and like you talk to anyone from Garna, and the first thing they'll tell you is they're from Garna. I, I've noticed that they're unbelievably <laughs> yeah. fi- fiercely proud of being from Garna. And yeah. you talk to anyone from Garna, and they'll they'll talk about Garna for for half an hour, and then they'll talk about what you're there to talk about for the next two minutes. But uh, there's a fierce pride in the place. And I, I thought about that again when I was interviewing Conor Madden. <clears throat> and he set up his own business now as uh, a sports merchandise and, and sportswear and, and apparel uh, business. And I just thought, Jesus, like he was telling me how he set it up when he was in college back in, in 2015. And it went really well for a couple of years. And he put it on hold when he finished his course. But like he's only 26. And there's not many people yeah. do that, but that's a, that's a real kind of thing. Like for for a place that's that's a, a r- real rural area, like uh, they could use the excuse of being disadvantaged or whatever. But the place is full of industry and and you know self self made people, which is again maybe that's why they've kind of traditionally punched so much above the weight in the last forty years in football. Yeah, I I do always I do always make the comparison. Well, not always, but definitely the more the more I go on in life, I make the comparison between Gown and Cork. You know, it's literally, you know what they say about Cork? All you need to know is that I'm from Cork and that's the most important place in the world. And, you know, Garner like that, it is it is such pride. And you know what? It's it's brilliant. I It's the one thing that I admire most about Garner people um, is, is is their pride in, in, in their local community. And by God, they'll fight with each other, but they bring the best out in each other in that as well. There's, there's almost not just a competitive spirit that, they want to be the best around them and then the best in them. They, they they want to prove it not just on the field but off the field in terms of like drive through Gauna. From you you go out and as soon as you hit the parish of Gauna, you're met by monsters of houses. <laughs> there's there's some of the some of the biggest yeah. and best houses around Cavan are in Gauna and yeah. looking over lakes and, and you know, beautiful stuff. And then you see the industry, obviously the 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 insulation company as you're going into the town on the left, and then you have Foma Light as you're going out to the pitch, like two very big factories in a very small little village, you know. So it's as as you, as you say, it's the entrepreneurial spirit that's around Gowna that that probably has has led them to success within football as well. Yeah, in, look, in look natural at, competitiveness. Look at John Highland as well. Like you know, he's yeah. named in the top thirty uh, young businessmen in the country. Um, Another Garner man. So, yeah. any of these Garner lads that are listening in and we're sharing them with compliments, uh, just get on and you can sponsor the podcast if you want. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think exactly. I actually did. I, I think we should play a bit of Conor Madden. Yeah. About, um, he was talking about about the advantages of being based at home. I think it might be a good way to finish it off. And if anyone wants to listen in uh, to the full thing, uh, you can tell them what to do. Yeah, exactly. So we'll 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 just hear from Connor Madden. Um, it's over on Patreon.com/forward/slash/we are Calvin for the full interview. 
do you think that that being being at home since March helped you helped your football this year? But someone made the point to me that it's sort of an unintended advantage of uh, COVID. If fellas are able to work remotely, especially fellas in in Cavan and rural areas, that they, they won't have to live in Dublin or wherever. They'll be able to live at home, and they're obviously available to their club and helping out even off the field. But I was thinking with with county footballers like. You take that game, that game up in Donegal where you mentioned knocking off work at two o'clock. Such a bit of stress on your on the mind and the body. Do you, do you think that being at home helped you on a personal level this year? Oh yeah, no, I, without a doubt it did. Um, it just it just it sort of it, it reduces the level of stress in terms of lads in terms of having to you know being always constantly asking your bosses to get off early and then probably making up that time the following evening. And it just. It, the work-life balance—it's—it's it's very hard to maintain as a footballer. You know, when you're living in Dublin or living far away, that um, COVID, as a result of COVID, lads probably were able to sort of have that bit more extra time, and it just—it it, just—it just meant that you know, even when your time that isn't solely with football, it, you know, we can do other things as well because you're probably not—you're not clawing back hours in terms of work or you know trying to catch up and stuff as a result yeah. of being losing three or four hours, and it's—it's. It's, it's just it's 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 obviously a fault of, of of living in Dublin that you know traffic and stuff like that coming out of the city in the evenings. It, it used to be a bit of a dread, and that you know you were spending a long time in cars, and even the, probably the, the quality of training probably wasn't as strong because you might have had twelve or fifteen lads coming the whole way down from Cavan. And look, Cavan were, were good in the sense that we used to train in Abbottstown as well, but that also meant that those lads coming from Cavan traveling an hour and. You know, you know, traveling for an hour, an hour and a half, and sitting, you know, you're probably getting out of cars, and you're you're quite stiff, and you're probably aren't coming with the same enthusiasm or energy to training, and you know that look at that all sort of impacts on on the thing as a whole, and I definitely think you know even as you were saying with the club, like you know this year probably the club it was more I've, I've been around the club more, and you, you're probably training amongst the club lads more than you've ever done because mm. um you're you're at home and it just sort of it, it was it, the way the championship worked out, the club championship this year, and being in front of the in the county championship, it just it, it sort of gave it an extra special feel. You know, you you, you really did feel like you were a club player there for the last for, from when we came back in May or whatever until August. You know, you were constantly out training two or three times a week, and you know it's it's probably something that you had missed, and you know you'd, you'd like to sort of continue that going forward. Yeah, so so just to wrap up, um, Paul, obviously a, a really good interview. I, I, he he's very very open and honest and and, and not at all guarded. I, I I felt listening to it and and it was so refreshing to hear a, a county senior, um, of his stature just to have it sitting down having a conversation and, and and you can you can very much get an idea of the mindset that he brought to it. I I, I talked a bit where he talked about um watching the Monaghan game at home, that, that, that kind of struck a chord with me and his reaction to the result. Um, but people, people can hear that themselves over there. But obviously, the advantages of being home and his decision to set up business in Cavan instead of setting it up in Dublin um, was, was crucial as well. So it's, it, it's the like of that that we needed an awful lot more of. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, completely, completely. Yeah. As you say, it was the most sensible thing you said in 2020. You said two sensible things. One was that Cavan were going to beat Donegal, and the other was that there might be a silver lining for rural Ireland from, from COVID. So never let it be said that I don't remember the, the sensible things you said, Damien, because there's so few that they're easy to, <laughs> <laughs> they're easy to recall. Gosh, I'm going off to pop the champagne now. I've got a compliment from Paul Fitzpatrick. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to close on that note. Thanks very much for listening to the McAvoy's Super Value GEA podcast. As I said, don't forget to check out the Die Hard service over on patreon.com forward slash wearecavan. Cavan.